connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, here's Dr. G. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. Today we will be talking about building support and diversifying revenue streams for sustainability. With us on today's show, we have two outstanding guests. First, we have with us Dr. Trudy Sopp, who is the founder and consulting partner with the Center for Organization Effectiveness. Established in 1993, the center is a joint powers authority providing innovative management programs, training, forms, and organization development interventions for over 100 public, nonprofit, and private organizations. Prior to founding the center, SOP managed the City of San Diego's Organization Effectiveness Program from 1983 to 1993 and the award-winning diversity commitment. These change efforts received recognition from the League of California Cities, Rutgers University Productivity Council, and the San Diego Business Journal. Since founding the center, SOP has consulted with over 25 states and local elected officials, 30 city managers, county administrators, and CEOs throughout California, 18 boards and commissions, and numerous management groups and local and state agencies. SOP has co-authored an article for the May 2006 issue of HR Magazine titled Managing Generation Y. The article provides three key strategies on how to embrace the challenges Generation Y brings to the workplace. Dr. SOP received her Ph.D. in sociology from the University of Toronto, where she specialized in plan change and organizational intervention strategies. Welcome to the show, Dr. SOP. Thank you. We also have with us Ann Bolzoni. Ann is the Executive Director of the San Diego Association of Nonprofits. She has over 30 years' experience as a development professional, nonprofit administrator, educator, and volunteer working with local and national organizations. She is dedicated to creating quality, goal-oriented fundraising campaigns and programs in partnership with the community. She possesses an extensive background in foundation and corporate proposal research and writing, as well as creating financially successful special events. Anne has a master's in art and educational administration from Columbia University in New York. 
and a Bachelor's of Art in Behavioral Sciences and Elementary and Special Education from Mercer College in New York. In addition to her nonprofit management and fundraising experience, she has a special passion for working with programs for at-risk places and populations, including our outdoor spaces and animal friends. Welcome, Anne. Delighted to be with you. And thank both of you for joining us today, and now here's the host of Leadership Matters, Dr. Cheryl G. Thank you. Thank you, Valerie. You're welcome. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Anne and Trudy, thank you so much for being with us. It's great to be here. Yes, we're going to start our conversation regarding building support and diversifying revenue um, for sustainability with um, probably just a little context around how we're framing the term sustainability. I know it's used in so many uh, different ways today, and we're looking at it uh, today really from the lens of being able to meet the needs of our community today and for generations to come. So kind of like that's our perspective with regards to how do we position our organizations, nonprofits, public municipalities to be in tune with and to be positioned to really not only um, figure out what the needs are uh, for today and, and to be able to deliver those services in a way that's responsible and not negatively impactful uh, for generations um, that are yet to come. And with that in mind, um, just kind of hearing your perspective with regards to what nonprofits can do uh, today to be in tune with the needs of the community. Well, I think the good news is that um, there are just so many resources available to our nonprofit members um, through the Internet um, and local resources like the University of San Diego that does a great deal of detailed research on the sector, Sandag, who does um, many studies, our juvenile justice programs, the nutrition networks. Um, there's extensive public information available in what's called asset mapping, you know, where the nonprofits are and what they're providing and what the needs of the community are. And um, all these resources are available at no expense to our nonprofit and for-profit friends so that they can help identify who needs what and where and how much. And so, Anne, where would someone go to actually access that information? Well, some of, some of the links are available on my Sandan website, sandan.org, um, also the sandag, dag.org website, and also the county and city of San Diego um, has lots and lots of links. Um, in addition, uh, United Way, the San Diego Foundation, and a number of others are sponsoring community forums and inviting nonprofit leaders to participate um, to have their new needs heard because we are in changing times, and sometimes even though the data is only a year or two old, it doesn't totally apply to where we are today. Okay, great. Thank you. Trudy, is there anything you'd like to add either from a nonprofit or public sector perspective as relates to being in tune with the needs of our community? You know, I think my addition would really be the public sector perspective. Anne's really got a handle on the nonprofit world, and I really like the resources she identified. You know, the, the, the thing that's a little different in the public sector 
and I consider nonprofits in the public sector, so I would say more public sector organizations like cities and counties and state governments and water agencies, is they, they all have kind of their own governing bodies. <laughs> and so the way to stay in tune with the needs of those communities is really to take advantage of the forms, community forms, um, that those governing bodies have. So water agencies are likely to advertise, you know, forms where they're going to talk about water rate increases or new infrastructure and what's going to happen in that regard, and citizens can show up at those and say what they think. Cities obviously have council meetings, and citizens come to those, but mostly they have planning meetings uh, where they talk about, they have whole planning meetings in different communities, um, in San Diego, the city of San Diego has something like 32 or 36 planning groups. So there's plenty of meetings to go to. <laughs> there's plenty to go um, to. <laughs> it's a little harder to access state government. Um, but but it's, it's the same notion, is um, really watching not so much universities, which I think have, and especially University of San Diego does a great job on public or um, nonprofits, but to pay attention to the news outlets and online, Voice of San Diego, Sign in San Diego, um, obviously the Union Tribune and other uh, avenues like that now have interactive mechanisms where you can ask them where is a community meeting happening and they'll tell you. Okay. So I think in, in my world of training and development, though, the best way to keep in touch with the community needs is to do needs assessments mm-hmm. um, and to, you know, so to, to send out surveys mm-hmm. and ask people what they think and what they want. And so increasingly public sector organizations, you know, for the last 10 years have been doing that, but they, they really um, pay attention to those results. Okay, great. So then for our listeners across the country, I think we could probably echo that in their various yes. locations with regards right. to, one, the needs of really continuing to be engaged in community assessments or leveraging being able to obtain community assessments that were conducted by others, as well as seeing what their local government entities and maybe nonprofit society or associations have to offer relative to information that's available that they've collected. Exactly. Okay. And and if I could add just one thing, I think um, social media has the ability to tell you in a very real-time way what the needs are. So, um, you know, it is something that nonprofits are learning to use more effectively, mm-hmm. um, but it's certainly something that is very out there right now, and you get immediate feedback as to, you know, what do you need or what don't you need. Okay, exactly. and then just to um, break that down for our listeners with regards to social media, you know, what comes to mind for me is like Facebook and Twitter, but what comes to mind for you? Are you taking blogs or when you say social media, what are you referring to, Anne? Well, I'm just referring to the communications that 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 might go around with Facebook or with blogs or even things that weigh in like, like similar to Yelp. Um, where people are rating nonprofits now, as well as you know their hairdressers as That's to so their effectiveness. <laughs> well, I, I would say this is Trudy speaking. I would say the blogs. So when any time, so it would be both. So when there's a news report that comes out, or some not a scandal necessarily, but a rate increase or something that happens in state gov- or local government, 
um, there's likely to be an online version of that, and then people start to blog about it, and that's where you really, as you read those, get a sense of where the community is landing, at least the people who are, who are weighing in where they land. So, um, but, and I did not know that um, people were rating their nonprofits on Yelp. That's really something. <laughs> well, any place they can express an opinion. <laughs> okay. So, Trudy, as we have this conversation regarding building support, mm-hmm. um, thoughts that you might have with regards to who support my public um, service or I should say public civil servants, uh, those who are either working for or appointed or elected to serve in our municipalities, whose um, support might they need? Well, when it comes to sustainability, if it's, uh, you know, my, my lens on that is really the staff trying to come up with, so that would be public servant staff trying to come up with new ways to keep programs going that the community wants, and um, and so the support they need is the elected official support. Usually elected officials um, will go in the direction that their constituents want. They generally try to do that. That's their world. And so if, if public service employees want to keep a program going, they have to link it to the constituents and what they're asking for, which then links to what the interests of the public elected official will be. And so the world I live in, the kind of final decision maker, is, is nearly always the elected official. And so being smart about how you, how you make the case for maybe developing a new revenue stream or something for a program has to be linked up with something the constituents have asked for in order to get the elected's attention. It can't just be a good a need in and of itself. I hope mm-hmm. that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Okay. Um, Anne, is there anything you'd like to add? Nope. I think she was very articulate on the subject. <laughs> I, have, I have some strong feelings about that. <laughs> <laughs> so if I were to ask you, Anne, kind of like the same thing, maybe looking from the nonprofit sector as it relates to um, who support might nonprofits need? What would be your response to that? Well, the number one thing that I believe nonprofits need support from is their leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, I think leadership is the heart of any successful organization, whether it be government or nonprofit. Okay, and I'm going to pause you for just a second and, and ask you to just define their leadership. Who we speak? What bodies are we talking about? Well, I'm speaking about the volunteer leadership, the board of directors uh-huh. that's entrusted with the mission, and then, then secondarily, the the paid leadership or the staff of the organization. Mm-hmm. So um, I think those are those are key. Those need to be very strong in order to position the organization favorably. Um, for change and for new revenue streams. Okay. I hate to pause you again, but I'm getting a message that we need to go to commercial break. So I'm asking you just to hold that thought in, and we're going to be right back with more on Leadership Matters. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email G at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Get ready to lead in today's ever-changing, diverse community and global market. Attend the Advance. Improve your cultural competence, ability to lead inclusion initiatives, and effectiveness in serving today's diverse community and global market. Join thought leaders from across the nation, June 2nd through the 4th in San Diego for The Advance. Log on to www.theadvance.org. That's www.theadvance.org to learn more and register. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. We're back with more on Leadership Matters. Today we're talking about building support and diversifying revenue for sustainability. With us today we have Dr. Trudy Sopp, who's the founder and consulting partner with the Center for Organization Effectiveness here in San Diego, California. Thank you so much, Trudy, for being with us. Thank you. And also on the line we have Anne Bazzoni. Anne is the executive director of the San Diego Association of Nonprofits, also here in San Diego. Uh, thank you also for being on the line today, Anne. Delighted. Okay, and Anne, before we went to break, you were responding to um, the support that our nonprofits need in order to maintain sustainability, but to gain support as well. And I think you had started in with regards to um, talking about the importance of leadership, the uh, boards, as well as the executive leadership and others that are in a leadership capacity within those organizations. And then we paused you. <laughs> so I'm happy just to continue up with that. Conversation. Yes, and um, it's just the leadership is important because everything starts at the top. And so if you're going to be successful, you need to make sure that, you know, the key people are. But then also you need to make sure your constituents are engaged, um, that the general public understands what you're doing, and that, I think, translates directly into support from potential funders. Okay, great. And when you say your constituents, is that synonymous with the general public, or did you have someone in addition in mind? No, I think that nonprofits tend to serve different mm-hmm. groups and types and needs, and so they're very different. They're all people, obviously, but they're very different in what they require. And so what you give to them um, is also different. So when I talk about constituents, if you're serving seniors that are homebound, that's certainly a different piece 
than um, the general public at large. Got you. Very good. Thank you so much. Um, Trudy, we're going to transition our thinking just a little bit mm-hmm. and um, have you share with us your thoughts regarding public organizations um, thinking or behaving in entrepreneurial ways. Yeah. Why or why not is this important? Okay. Well, it's inescapable and actually a great deal of fun to be thinking that way. So I want you to know that anymore the notion of com- be acting entrepreneurial inside a public organization and maybe even selling services or resources is not a novel idea, and so, which is nice. When I created the center as an entrepreneurial venture in 1993, it was very controversial. I mean, the notion of a, a, a public department, public sector department, a training and development unit getting so well-known that it could actually offer its services for a fee to other public entities who were asking for those services was um, kind of a, not the way government should operate. And now no one would even blink an eye. But in, uh, in 93, the objection to it was really philosophical. And so nowadays, I see in the leadership programs that we put on for public sector organizations, and nearly everyone in the room having an example or two about ways that they, they're expected to come up with um, innovations. And I don't just mean doing more with less. I mean finding a way to be entrepreneurial. For example, it may mean a public works department uh, that works with a lot of other smaller cities suggesting either a consolidation of those smaller cities or that they provide the public works to those smaller cities at a reduced fee. Mm -hmm. So those other cities maybe don't need the workforce that they currently have. Or let's say another organization's um, internal data processing department um, making its services available at a fee, for a fee, to other um, smaller uh, cities or organizations uh, if, you know, at a cost reduction so they don't have to have their own staff, but they can use the staff from another city. And so we see fire departments consolidating. We see water agencies kind of put consolidating their resources. Um, so either buying resources from each other at a lower cost than if they had their own staff do it, um, or consolidating together where they cooperate. Um, and, and so it's innovative, maybe not entrepreneurial, but that's innovative. Mm-hmm. So we used the center as an entrepreneurial effort where we sold training services um, and brought in revenue back to the city of San Diego. But these ideas can be both either innovative or entrepreneurial means to me you're charging some kind of price for it and bringing revenue back into the system that you're part of as a way to try to bring in revenue. Mm-hmm. So it, it's no longer philosophically forbidden. No, it's um, now social enterprise. It is. Exactly. It's got a nice label. And, um, and good, because the private sector has been competing with the public sector for a long time. So why not reverse it, where the public sector competes with the private sector for services mm-hmm. and goods? So what do you think? <laughs> yeah, no, fabulous. Anne, would you like to jump in? 
Well, yeah, because it's something I think the nonprofit sector is really taking some unique um, movement towards. And, you know, the one thing that the buzzword being the whole social enterprise movement or nonprofits doing business, which they actually have been doing for a long time. It just hasn't been labeled as such. And, um, you know, you look at like thrift shops, which have been around a long time, and those are examples of nonprofit social enterprises. Um, And you look at Places like United Cerebral Palsy that provides mail house services and charges a fee and then translate that into jobs for its, its customers. Um, one of my favorites, Helen Woodward Animal Center, um, has a club pet grooming salon. So if you take your, do- <laughs> if you take your dog in for grooming and, to st- and to, for an overnight stay, you're actually um, helping to spay and neuter dogs and, and cats that have no home. So a, a lot of nonprofits have these terrific social enterprise programs that they make some some money off of, and that helps to support their very valuable mission in the community. And you know, Cheryl, if you don't, can I add something here? Oh, sure, here? please. Mm-hmm. The, the the trick, as I hear in describing these very clever programs, is how to price them. Mm-hmm. Because if we, you know, the public sector mentality, at least in the public sector, has usually been, well, you price it for what it costs you. But that's not how the private sector prices. It's not just how it costs you, but what's the the revenue stream you want to make on top of it? What's the what's the creative energy that went into coming up with the idea, et cetera, et cetera? And then you figure out a price. Whereas if you're just trying to recover costs, you're not going to make any revenue that then allows you to pay for programs. Mm -hmm. This isn't to make a profit. It's to go back into the institution to pay for programs Mm -hmm. that the constituents want. And so figuring out how to price it in a way that's both fair but also, you know, competitive. (laughs) Yeah, it's competitive. It's, It's hard. Right. I, I think they've got a pretty good handle on, and I'd also like to mention the shared services model, which is similar to what you mentioned in the public sector, where nonprofits band together, like Balboa Park has an yeah. initiative right. where they're looking at sharing payroll services, copy machine leasings, and and all kinds of overhead to get the efficiency of largesse. Right, exactly. And, and they're creating an entity to do that. Yes, yeah. they are. They're, they're, they actually are. But um, there are other models, and the Tides Foundation is out of San Francisco, has a lot of research and stuff on this, where um, organizations that aren't geocentric can get together and unite to meet some of these cost savings and effectiveness. And so I think it's a, the shared services model is something that um, nonprofits are also moving towards. Mm-hmm. Good. So they're parallel. I mean, both sectors are doing similar things. Right. I think that's great. I think this is a fabulous discussion for our leaders in both our nonprofit as well as public arenas to um, hear. I think you're both bringing some wonderful pearls uh, to the table. I'm going to ask you in uh, regards to, I think, uh, Dr. Sop, you mentioned one of them, and that would be pricing. Yes. Any other major hurdles um, that a nonprofit or public entity might um, need to prepare to 
um, get over as it relates to being able to move forward with some type of social enterprise? Well, um, I can't, you know, it's so hard to get beyond the pricing thing because it's such a big issue. But to actually the marketing issue, I mean, it's, it's really, Cheryl, Cheryl um, most of the things, Dr. G, most of the things that are related to running a business. So it would be marketing and to see that that would be important, even though there's some natural constituencies, they kind of sometimes when it comes to saying, and now here's a, there's a cost to this, you know, there's getting used to that. Mm-hmm. And so all of the things, even knowing, knowing what the value of your service is mm-hmm. um, and seeing it as a value. When you're in the public sector, you're, you know, for the majority of your career, it's, it's, spending a budget is different than uh, earning um, revenue. Mm -hmm. And so it's a real huge mentality shift. So I I guess I'd say one of the hurdles is that mentality of selling services, which maybe is a generational thing, um, Mm -hmm. and maybe some of the younger employees don't have that same hurdle because they're not as steeped in, you know, what the public sector used to be like. Um, but my my experience in 93 and coming forward was really the difference between making money and and having a budget were totally different worlds. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, um, I think yeah. that the nonprofits nowadays have a more balanced look at their sources of revenue and realize that it's not just, you know, direct mail or electronic donations, special events, grants, you know, that there has to be a broader base of of ongoing, of passive revenue generation as well as stuff you have to work really hard to go out and get. Mm-hmm. So I think the nonprofit sector is really ahead on this. I do piece too. Of it mm-hmm. versus the government. No offense, versus the no. government piece. No, I'm glad we're making that distinction because I don't want to treat them the same. No, is that the public sector hasn't gone ahead on this. It's like kicking and screaming, <laughs> going into it. The other phenomenon, which I just ran across the, uh, yesterday, and I and I didn't know that it, what the word was, but it's called collaborative consumption. <laughs> and um, what it means is traditional sharing, bartering, lending, trading of stuff. So that, for example, not everyone needs to own a lawnmower in your neighborhood to get their lawns cut. If you had one lawnmower and you shared it, um, you could accomplish the same thing without having as much cost. Yes. So collaborative consumption is also a new trend. And also, I think the exchange of in-kind resources between business and nonprofits mm-hmm. is, is growing. Great. Very good. I think you guys have given us some really good food for thought. We're going to take a break and then come back to... Um, respond to some of the questions from our listeners. And, um, and you know, I know that you've worked a lot in, uh, with organizations with regards to raising revenue. So also would love to hear from you, uh, maybe when we first come back, just before we go into questions from our listeners, just thoughts with regards to in- innovative things that organizations you have worked with have done um, and have been successful at with regards to raising revenue. Okay, great. Great. So we'll take a short break and be right back with more on Leadership Matters.
From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email drg at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Get ready to lead in today's ever-changing, diverse community and global market. Attend the Advance. Improve your cultural competence, ability to lead inclusion initiatives, and effectiveness in serving today's diverse community and global market. Join thought leaders from across the nation, June 2nd through the 4th in San Diego, for The Advance. Log on to www.theadvance.org. That's www.theadvance.org to learn more and register. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter L. Mosca provides those of you eager to invest well in real estate with the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus is to help you maximize your real estate investment dollars. Listen live to the brightest minds in investment real estate every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter L. Mosca, where America learns to invest. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters. Today we're talking about building support and diversifying revenue streams for sustainability. With us today we have Dr. Trudy Sopp, founder and consulting partner of the Center for Organization Effectiveness and uh, also the president of Sopp Consulting. I neglected to say that earlier. Uh, Thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Sopp. Thank you, too. Yes, and then also on the line we have Anne... um, Let's see, but ah, I'm I'm blanking on your last name, Anne. Baldoni. Thank you. Anne is the executive director with the San Diego Associations of Nonprofits. Thank you, Anne, for being with us as well. Delighted. Yes, and then also joining us for this segment is our fabulous associate uh, producer of Leadership Matters, Valerie Wright. Thank you for coming back on the line, Valerie. Thank you, Dr. G. Yes, we're going to hear from Valerie in just a moment with regards to questions that she's received from our listening audience. Um, but before we transition there, Anne, I'm going to ask you just to share, you know, some of the things that you've seen that maybe has been very successful for nonprofits um, as it relates to raising funding. Well, aside from from cutting expenses, um, 
people are the nonprofit sector is pretty resourceful, and I think one of the things that has really developed over the past decade is this whole business co-branding, cause marketing. Susan G. Komen does it very well with pink things, um, where a portion of something sold will generate revenue for a nonprofit. So we're um, right now Sandan has a program where if you open a Mission Federal credit union account, for example, they'll deposit $25 in your account and donate $25 to a charity of your choice. So there's a lot more um, partnerships that can work with the business community that meet their goals and will actually generate new revenue and new donors. Um, also, there's, um, for example, United Way doesn't need all their space anymore, so they're bringing in other nonprofits to rent their space. Mm-hmm. So they're looking at taking their resources and going further. And then there's a whole trend out there, coupons for philanthropy, the blind squirrel, stay classy, sort of e-fundraising where you tie in with a cause and you're working through an online community and using personal contacts for donations. And all of those are, are new trends, some more successful than others, and some belong to specific populations. But there's, those are the things that nonprofits are putting their toes into these days. Okay, that's a wonderful, I think, um, list of um of things that nonprofits can consider as relates to how they might bring in uh, revenue. Um, one of the things that we're doing here at the Neighborhood House that um, I think uh, was just gosh, when I came on board and found out and learned more about it, thought it was quite um, hmm, innovative. I was having a virtual gala, and I thought, what is a virtual gala? And it's actually a gala where you know no one comes to the to the gala. They just log online, and if they want to purchase a table and um, um, be a sponsor, there's um, a thank you that's held later on for some of our major donors. But um, instead of everyone having to be dressed up and kind of coming in having the chicken dinner, and there's a lot of revenue that goes toward the um, putting it know, on yeah. toward putting it on that you lose some of your profit from having to put it on. You've kind of skipped that piece and gone into the virtual world of just hosting the gala online. And, um, <laughs> and you, you can be in your pajamas. And, you can and be in your pajamas it. and go on and, and uh, engage in the, um, the um, what do you call that, auction, the uh, final auction, auction yeah. online. Oh, yeah. that's a great thing, yeah. live auction. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah, right. so you can do the side auction online. You can purchase a table and not have to go anywhere. Or, <laughs> so it's very convenient, very convenient <laughs> and a wonderful way of supporting the organizations. But yeah, I, I thought sure. that that was um a uh, really smart thing to do. Well, uh-huh. Ronald McDonald House does very successfully is raffle off a house every year. Uh-huh. And um, that generates a big chunk of revenue sure. for their programs. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of innovative things that people are coming up with, and I think it's fabulous. Valerie, you had some questions from our listening audience? I do, Dr. G. We have a question from June, who's in Alabama. She says, I am the director of a nonprofit with a budget of about 900000 annually. 85% of our budget is uh, directed towards services based on grant funding, which does not allow for other organizational needs like 
technology infrastructure, staff development, and planning, which I believe are critical to sustainability. How do I go about building the public and political support to leverage unrestricted funding support? Mm, great question. Who might like to tackle that one? <laughs> Yikes. That's like the million-dollar question that everyone had the answer has the answer to. But I think, you know, you start with with a need statement, and and you figure out very succinctly um, what it is you're looking to do and what those leverage benefits mean to your organization. So that if you are to go out and ask a, a foundation or someone for funding, that it's not just you know dropping it in, in into your organization as general operating support, that it translates into a return on investment for whoever gives you those dollars. Mm. So, um, as uh, I don't, I don't think I can speak for the public sector on this one at all. But I can say, as a consumer of uh, nonprofit agency work that when I contribute, I think it's what Anne's describing, is it that when my money goes in, it's more meaningful if I know I'm buying thus and such. Mm-hmm. So when I make my contribution, it's not going to overhead, it's go- or, or if it is, if it's going to planning, to do planning around what. So the more specific, if the organization can advertise to me, Here's what $100 will buy. Here, and it's not direct programming because it sounds like she wants it to go into planning and training and development needs, but here's what your $1,000 commitment could buy. Um, and I, I'm more apt to put money into something that's focused that way. Is that what you were... No, I'm thinking, you know, to go, you know, capacity building is the buzzword that is uh-huh. used in the industry because that's what she's looking for is, you know, the not the direct service piece but the right. funding for the other piece. And it's very hard to come by, but my understanding or the way it's worked for me is that if I can show someone that I can take a $10,000 grant and turn that into down the line, $50,000 in enhanced services, then it's worth training the staff for the $10,000 because their effectiveness translates into a return on investment for for the consumer or for the person you're serving. Yeah, and I kind of hear a bridge between what both of you are saying because I'm thinking I'm hearing uh, Trudy say as the in... um, one might say provider, the the donor, she wants to know that there's a benefit uh, to the community. And I'm hearing yourself, and you're saying uh, that needs statement, taking that needs statement and uh, being able to um, articulate, here's what I need it for, which may be something like capacity building. And by being able to build capacity, we're able to enhance services. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the bo- that's the reason you want to do it. You're not just trying to make your staff smarter to make them smarter. <laughs> right. You're trying to make them smarter so that they perform better and everyone gets better service and the world becomes a better place. Right. <laughs> so, so you so have linked them together. That's a good point. Yeah, so for our listener, it's really her taking some time to uh, maybe do, as you've said, um, Anne, with regards to crafting that neat statement, um, what's it for, um, how are they going to leverage it in a way that's going to benefit the community and, uh, and show a return on investment 
for the community that they're serving. Yes, yes. So it's not. It doesn't seem like it's just self-serving. Right. Got it. Thank you, um, Valerie. Did you have another question? I have one more. Okay. From Bruce in Wyoming. Uh, Bruce states, I work in a rural nonprofit located in an area where there isn't a lot of funding organizations or opportunities to conduct real fundraising activities to gain resources. How can I come up with innovative ways to get the resources we need to service our clients in the best way possible? Who would like to take a stab at that one? Well, this is Anne, and I would say collaborate, 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 um, you know, tie into other, because if you're out there in a rural area, there are probably other rural organizations that um, are all in the same boat with you. So, um, you know, to join your associations, to take advantage of, you know, any opportunity that you have to submit funding proposals that would cover a wide area, but that may include multiple groups. Mm-hmm. Great. Good. Any additional thoughts on that? I, I thought that was a great suggestion. I think it is, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it may be the way to go. When you say proposal, too, I think I think so often people look for RFPs to come out that's related versus putting together a creative proposal to then look for a funder. And anything you want to say with regards to that? <clears throat> well, there's funding going on every day, mm-hmm. um, and there's so many sources of that information. But I think, you know, if you have a solid I a solid idea and a solid collaboration that you just start doing the due diligence of seeking funding sources because there's funding for almost anything out there. And um, I know here in San Diego that a lot of the youth programs they when they see a federal RFP come out, they six or seven of them will get together and say, you know what? Instead of applying individually, let's go together. And so they've, there's been a group that have been extremely successful because they put everything into one piece, and that's what funders are looking for. Great, thank you so much, Valerie. Can you tell our listeners how they can? Um Contact us to maybe ask questions in the future or suggest topics for the future. Yes. Um, They can call 1-866-472-5790, or they can send emails to drg at innovisions.org, and that's dr.g at innovisions.org. And the number, uh, again, is 1-866-472-5790. Great. Thank you so much, Valerie. Thank you. We're going to take a brief break and then be back for our final segment on today's episode of Leadership Matters. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Get ready to lead in today's ever-changing, diverse community and global market. Attend the Advance. Improve your cultural competence, ability to lead inclusion initiatives, and effectiveness in serving today's diverse community and global market. Join thought leaders from across the nation, June 2nd through the 4th in San Diego, for the Advance. 
Log on to www.theadvance.org. That's www.theadvance.org to learn more and register. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email G at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back to more on Leadership Matters as we wind down today's episode on building support and diversifying revenue for sustainability. I'm going to just jump right in and ask Anne and then Trudy just to share some final thoughts, lessons learned, or tips for leaders to consider as they really go about achieving this goal of building support and diversifying revenues to ensure that they're well positioned to meet the needs of our community today and for generations to come. Oh, yes. Well, I think my, my probably my primary thought is to not try to reinvent the wheel, that if somebody else is doing something and you think it's a great idea and it might work for your organization, to, to, to get the information, to um, try to replicate it based on your own area, on your own data, um, and you know, to give it a try, to embrace technology and innovation. Um, but quite honestly, no matter what you do, there are no quick miracle fixes out there. So be prepared, you know, to do the work. <laughs> and and I would say on the public sector um, organization side, that to even consider doing entrepreneurial ventures uh, like we described, I think you have to have developed and I don't know any other way to phrase this, Dr. G, but a bank account with elected officials in your area, um, in your city, in your jurisdiction, a bank account not being real money, but having so been so competent and so good at what you do and said yes to everything they've asked you to do, that when you turn around and ask to do something innovative like this, that has some risk, at least maybe not a financial risk, but at least a perception risk associated with it, you've built the goodwill to be able to ask for that. Because in the public entities, you can't do it on your own. It eventually has to go to an elected body to sign off on, to say, yes, let's go ahead and charge for this, or yes, let's outsource ourselves to another jurisdiction, or yes, let's um, combine services with another agency. 
and you cannot make that request if you haven't either dropped in on the council offices and um, not surprised them with it, but sold them on it, and developed enough of a bank account or IOU or notion of exchange in return so that you can make that request. And so I hope I have that visual for people where your bank account is not about money with that elected official. It's that you've delivered over many years and now you have earned the right to ask for this. Mm-hmm. And in the public sector, that's what it takes. Yes, very good. And, you know, I can uh, speak to my experience even here at the neighborhood house when we got ready to do our um, social enterprise with regards mm-hmm. to InnoVision. Yes, yes. Um, you know, we did have to put together a um, business plan and submit it to our board for approval. Uh, so I think the governing bodies, be it public or um, nonprofits, will have to um, definitely be engaged in blessing those type of efforts. Right, and a plan, even if it was a great plan, it's not enough. Right, absolutely. You have to have had the relationship building that your executive director has been doing for years mm-hmm. and credibility for them to even consider. Mm-hmm. The plan. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. I agree with yeah. you. And anything you weigh in on that? Well, the only, the only, I guess, the last word on revenue building coming from a 30-year fundraiser is that um, you have to ask for what you need and what you want. And if you don't open your mouth and ask, it's not going to just land on your doorstep. So to not be shy and not make that mistake, to get out there and at least ask, because the worst that can happen is someone says, no, not today. And, and what's the best way of formulating that ask? Well, under perfect situations, it's the right person asking for the right thing at the right time. <laughs> but... um you know, it, it's it's going in there and knowing what you need, um, why you need it, and that the person you are asking for cares and has has the interest and the ability to make to make you know the contribution, whether it's a company or an individual or a foundation. Um, you know, it's it's is there a relationship? Is there capacity? And um, do they want to give? And you need to make that ask first, and I think that's where a lot of nonprofits, for-profits, and, you know, just people fail because they're too embarrassed to just let it come out of their mouths. Our organization needs you to do this. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Love that. Um, anything else from either of you with regards to just um, tips, lessons learned, most difficult, greatest successes? you chair as we wrapped up here? Um, well, you know, I guess for, as I think back over the two things that were the hardest in, in creating an entrepreneurial venture in the public sector wasn't the staff. The staff was behind it all the way. But it, it was just to reiterate the... the um, behind-the-scenes work with the elected officials. And um, second, it was also when we created a business and then people asked us what do things cost and started to treat us like a business, we weren't mentally prepared to be a business. 
And so um, I think starting to do, and again, I do believe with, um, as the generations are changing, that this isn't as big an issue now. But that idea of, you know, you can't just do this and not market. You can't just do it and not have a brand. You can't just do it and try to save money by not coloring or making things, you know, really attractive mm-hmm. with color and print and that you've got to put some money in up front. And that's just not a public sector way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be a now a nonprofit way of thinking, but it's not a public sector way of thinking because mm-hmm. we've always had a monopoly. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a whole different thing to be out there, like you said earlier, Trudy, with regards yeah. to different than managing a budget. And yep. then developing a budget. <laughs> or, or, or earning money. Earning money. Or funding a budget. Yeah. Put money yeah. in the budget. <laughs> um, and it, it may sound like, well, of course, um, right. it, you know, that's a simple shift to make. It's not. No. Mm-mm. And it's one to gear up for. Yes, absolutely. And not be surprised by. And I'm a sociologist, and I was surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I tend to be, you know, kind of a critic and a skeptic, and that through me mm-hmm. and um and it was like one day we're one thing and the next day now we're a business mm-hmm. and um we we didn't make that shift right so. right well wonderful trudy thank you so much again for being on the show and yeah, thank Anne you as for well. asking yes and thank you as well Oh, thank you. It was wonderful. Yes, I've enjoyed the conversation. Good topic. Yes, and I want to remind our uh, listening audience that we have the advance coming up here in San Diego, California. It will be held from June the 2nd through June the 4th. We have Stedman Graham as one of our facilitators and looking forward to having him share uh, much about his um, steps to success as well as um, really the topic of preparing leaders to lead in diverse communities and markets. And uh, we have a fabulous, um, diverse group of leaders from nonprofits and public and corporate sectors across the country that will be coming to join us here. So if you haven't learned much about it and you haven't gone on to register, please uh, log on to www.theadvance.org and learn more about the advance. Thank you so much for tuning in to Leadership Matters. We invite you to join us next Wednesday at 2 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time on more on how you, too, can make your leadership matter. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. G is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.